Welcome to the Capitol Beach. My name is Derek Brockbank. I'm your host, and I'm the executive director of Coastal States Organization. Uh, I'm excited about today's show. It's one of our uh, multi-part series on the Coastal Zone Management Act, and I think I'm perhaps most excited about this one because this one to me feels like really what I intended when I started the Capitol Beach podcast, um, which is really diving into the weeds of coastal policy with the people who make and implement that coastal policy. We've got two just incredible, thoughtful, intelligent guests, um, Joelle Gore with uh, NOAA and Braxton Davis with the state of North Carolina, both of whom are very uh, very in the weeds on, on uh, the Coastal Zone Management Act. And we're going to hear about the act, what it includes, and um, how it's implemented. Uh, but first, a quick word from our sponsors. The American Shoreline Podcast Network and CoastalNewsToday.com are brought to you by... LJA Engineering. With 28 offices along the Gulf Coast, the folks at LJA Engineering are at the top of the craft in the areas of coastal restoration, coastal infrastructure, rivers and channels, numerical modeling, disaster recovery, and design and construction oversight. Be sure to subscribe to the Coastal News Today Daily Blast newsletter at coastalnewstoday.com for daily updates on the events and news that shape the coastal discussion. Want to support the discussion and promote your company? We have sponsorship packages available now. Email me to learn more at chloe at coastalnewstoday.com. That's C-H-L-O-E at coastalnewstoday.com. Hope to hear from you and enjoy the show. Okay, Joelle, Braxton, I set you, sell, I set you guys up as, as experts on this, so uh, you got you to gotta follow through with me. But why don't you first off uh, introduce yourselves. Uh, Joelle, tell us a bit about yourself and, and how, you, uh, how your work stems from the Coastal Zone Management Act, and then, and then we'll pivot to Braxton. Great. Thanks so much, Derek, and thanks for having us. Uh, again, my name is Joelle Gore, and I work in NOAA's Office for Coastal Management, and I serve as the Stewardship Division Chief in that office. And uh, my job is to work with my colleagues to provide national leadership for both the National Coastal Zone Management Program, as well as the National Estuarine Research Reserve Program, both authorized by the Coastal Zone Management Act. Really excited to be here. Thanks, and Braxton. Well, thanks, Derek and Joel. It's great to be with you both. Thanks for having me. Um, so I serve as the director of the North Carolina Division of Coastal Management, which is a planning and regulatory agency within our state's Department of Environmental Quality, covering the 20 coastal counties in North Carolina. Um, we're, a, we're a multifaceted program. We have staff involved in permitting and enforcement of, of development activities that are occurring on the water or along our oceanfront, estuarine, riverine shorelines on the coast. Um, we also have staff that work on non-regulatory programs like land use planning, support for coastal communities, uh, coastal resilience programs, public access programs, and those kinds of things. And then we have staff in our agency that work in our coastal reserve programs, which manage over 44,000 acres of protected lands along our coast from border to border. Um, those are primarily for coastal research, education, and conservation efforts. So our agency includes both the state coastal program and the National Estuarine Research Reserve Program for North Carolina, both of which are NOAA-approved programs operating under the Federal Coastal Zone Management Act and our state's coastal law, which is the North Carolina Coastal Area Management Act. Well, thank you so much for joining both of us. Braxton, really glad you could join. We actually heard on our history podcast about the role that um, uh, North Carolina Congressman Walter B. Jones played in the launching of the CZMA. So really nice to have you on to continue that North Carolina connection on, on the Coastal Zone Management Act. 
Um, and both you mentioned uh, that you do work also with the National Estuary and Research Reserves, um, which were authorized under CZMA. We're probably not going to talk that much about them on this podcast because we have a whole separate podcast on NERS and the CZMA. Um, and so we're going to really focus on some of the other sections. So to dig into that, um, you know, uh, quick and dirty, give me your 30 second version. What does the Coastal Zone Management Act do? Joelle, love to hear your, your high level elevator pitch on the Coastal Zone Management Act. You bet. You know, at the heart of it, the Coastal Zone Management Act is really about governance. Um, I'm sure you heard in the in the history uh, discussion that you had um, that uh, Congress was interested in land use and national land use, but realizing that the population growth um, within the United States uh, was happening um, in our coastal areas um, at the highest rate. And considering the, the uses and of our coast and oceans um, for recreation, for industry, um, for um, shipping, for so many uses, you know, it really comes down to um, the Coastal Management Act being about governance. And the act recognizes both the national interest in needing to manage the uses of our coasts and oceans, as well as the primacy of the states to exercise their full authority in that governance and uh, supports the states in helping establish priorities for how they manage their, their coasts and oceans. Excellent. Thank you. A really nice high level, uh, not in the weeds uh, response. We'll get there. Um, Braxton, anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, I, Joel covered that really well. I mean, I look at it as a as a federal state partnership, a really good partnership between NOAA and the states, um, addressing the nation's most pressing coastal issues, while, as Joel said, you know, really adapting to the unique, unique um, environmental and social and economic and political characteristics of each state and territory, and the priorities of those states and territories, which uh, are different at different times. So. Um, it, it works as a great federal state partnership on those on those joint national and state level coastal issues. Excellent. So in implementing or in talking about the CZMA and certainly in implementing it, there are a number of sections that have um, prescriptive directions or authorities uh, that, that were laid out. And often those of us who work with the CZMA day to day just simply refer to those sections. Um, and I don't think we probably have time on this podcast to go over all of them, but there are some that are used and, and sort of, you know, are a little bit more important and a little bit more used than others. So, uh, Joelle, why don't you talk to me about one or, or two sections um, of the Coastal Zone Management Act and, and tell me a bit about what they do and, and why you think they're important. Well, Derek, it's hard to pick one. <laughs> um, so uh, on my way to touching on a couple of them, I, I can't. I can't get there without men mentioning Section 306, because it is foundational. It's, it's the bread and butter of um, work that supports the implementation of these state and territorial coastal management programs, um, from planning to permitting and enforcement, to ensuring public access, to ensuring that there's public engagement and policy development, and so much more. It's... it's in, it's foundational. Um, but the two that I will um, uh, pick to, to, to get, dig into a little bit is uh, Section 307 and Section 309. 
Section 307 lays out the federal consistency provision of the Coastal Zone Management Act. It gets to the heart of that state primacy mentioned before and is an incredible tool for the states and territories as they govern and manage the uses of their coasts and oceans. Generally, federal consistency requires that federal actions within and outside the coastal zone, which have reasonably foreseeable effects on any coastal use or natural resource, be consistent with the enforceable policies of a state's coastal management program. Braxton mentioned um, their law, and I know that, that he might mention that even more when, when he digs in here a little bit as well. But those federal actions include federal agency activities or activities that require a federal license or permit or state and local government applicants for federal funding. So 307, federal consistency, the state has the ability to review actions that uh, in some way are federally associated, whether they're federal actions, whether they need federal permits, whether they need federal funding, right? That, is that, that's the gist of it? That's the gist of it. Okay, excellent. Uh, well, why don't Braxton? Why don't we get your response to three hundred seven, and then Joel will come back and hear hear your thoughts on three hundred nine, if that works. Sure. Yeah. So through our federal through our federal consistency program, um, we have basically a, a formal consultation process with federal agencies that provides a single state response to a proposed federal project that's affecting the state's coastal zone or coastal resources. And we do that um, when we receive a, a determination from a federal agency that their that their project is consistent uh, with our enforceable coastal policies in the state. We review that. We circulate the project proposal to other state resource agencies for uh, feedback and comments, for, uh, folks like our Wildlife Resources Commission, our Division of Marine Resources and Water Quality staff. Um, and so they'll, it'll get a, a, a robust state review. And we also can circulate for public comments on a proposal, depending on the, the level of, of, of uh, complexity and, and the types of projects. So based on all of that, um, we then become kind of the central point of contact for the federal agencies. And, and it's really a great... Um, cooperative process. I mean, it really allows us to navigate and find some cooperative solutions to what are some often complex and sometimes controversial federal projects and permits, uh, ranging from things like offshore energy proposals to uh, the timing and, and locations of large-scale federal dredging projects uh, to the reuse of beneficial or uh, the reuse of beach-compatible dredge materials for beach nourishment. Uh, as you know, that, that sand uh, that sometimes comes out of uh, dredging projects is an incredibly valuable resource. So there's competition over where that sand ends up. And, and there's a great deal of coordination required between our office, the Army Corps of Engineers, beach communities on those types of things. Uh, so in the end, um, it's, it's a high level process that really tries to find the best solutions across a lot of different interested parties on large scale federal projects. And it's an incredibly valuable part of our program. Excellent. Thank you, Braxton. Joel, let's go back to you. You mentioned we, the foundational aspect of uh, Section 306. We talked a little bit about 307 and federal consistency, but you also indicated that 309 was a really sort of important and critical piece. You want to talk a bit about Section 309? You bet. Um, yeah, Derek, this section was framed through the 1990 amendments to the Coastal Zone Management Act and provides states funding to tackle important and pressing challenges to make improvements to their management programs over time. 
So states and territories have the opportunity to assess and engage stakeholders to get better understanding of key challenges that are facing their coastal areas that need to be addressed, and then develop and implement five-year strategies that help them address those challenges more fully. There are nine enhancement areas that the Coastal Zone Management Act outlines for states to consider, including wetlands, coastal hazards, public access, marine debris, cumulative and secondary impacts, special area management plans, ocean management, energy facility siting, and aquaculture. I know Braxton will talk even more about what this has meant for North Carolina, but I'll quickly mention that states and territories have done critically important work under this section, including developing ocean plans, policies, data tools that help, for instance, in the siting of wind energy and developing state-level guidance for local governments to use for building and implementing plans that help communities prepare and adapt to the impacts of storms and inundation, to name a few. So 309 authorizes funding uh, for state-level plans, uh, to implement state-level plans. Um, Braxton, you want to build on that? Maybe pull some specific examples from what you're doing in North Carolina? Sure. Uh, So through Section 309, our cooperative agreement with NOAA, we, we receive approximately $395,000 a year in annual funds to support primarily our policy and planning staff and their work on a variety of issues. Um, over the past few five-year strategy cycles, we've really focused in on the coastal hazards category in particular for most of that work under 309. Um, so, for example, we've used 309 funds to initially to lay the foundation and then later on to build out our new Resilient Coastal Communities program. Uh, that program is providing funding and technical assistance to help build local government capacity for hazards resilience along the coast. And in, it, that includes vulnerability assessments and community engagement and strategy development and um, project identification and prioritization. So the focus is really on getting uh, support to coastal communities to develop shovel-ready projects that are then competitive for uh, other state and federal implementation grants. Um, we're in the first year of that program. We currently have 26 communities enrolled in that program, and we just received more state funding and additional National Fish and Wildlife Foundation funding to expand the program to reach even more communities, which really is a huge vote of confidence in the, in the potential for us to have a real impact. So we're very excited about that. Um, and we are partnering uh, on that with not only NOAA, but also our North Carolina Office of Recovery and Resiliency, North Carolina Sea Grant, and the North Carolina Nature Conservancy. Um, another quick example, we, we um, use our 309 funds to support a lot of mapping and analysis of our barrier island shorelines with a special focus on shoreline changes happening along ocean inlets that are more dynamic than the central reaches of the barrier islands. And so they require really different approaches to managing development in those inlet hazard areas. Um, all All of our work under Section 309 like that is really directly supporting policy and rule development by our North Carolina Coastal Resources Commission, which we work hand in hand with on rule development. So it's very important to our program and a very important part of beach management in North Carolina and in other states and territories. Uh, thank you, Braxton. One thing I've I've found in working with coastal states organization is, you know, each each state program is is very different, and so the kind of work that you're doing, uh, Braxton, might not be exactly replicated elsewhere. Um, but at the same time, there's there's distinct similarities. Uh, I think you could probably talk to many other 
coastal states that are using their money on on you know getting projects moving on barrier island mapping all that all that sort of stuff so um a little bit different but a little bit the same uh let's let's keep talking about the the funding i feel like you know if you want to learn about a a program if you want to learn about a policy you got to follow the money um so braxton you mentioned you got i think you said 300 and some thousand dollars annually from section 309 i don't think you mentioned but that is 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 matched um one-to-one with state federal funds uh as i believe one of the things we like about 309 is enhancement grants that do not require a state match. So um, that's an even better uh, uh, thing for the states to be able to leverage that. Uh, um, and but but we do match our, our the Section 306 funds, uh, which is the bulk of of the funds we receive from NOAA. Apologies. Okay, cool. So 309 is is not matched, but three um, 306 is. So let's well let's talk a bit about that because even I'm getting confused on this one. Um, CZMA authorizes funding. It authorizes funding through a couple different pots. Um, how does that funding get uh, distributed? How do states get that funding from from the CZMA? Joel, you want to sort of talk at a high level ab- about that? And when we talk about you know coastal management grants getting 80 million dollars annually, how does that get divided? Where does it go? A little bit more about the funding. Yeah, yeah, Derek, absolutely. Um, well, first and foremost, we look to Congress to appropriate those funds annually, and Congress's continued interest and support for the work of the states, the territories, and NOAA, and what we're all doing under the Coastal Zone Management Act is critical. Um, second, a state and territory, in order to receive funds from NOAA, must have a comprehensive management program in place that's approved by NOAA in order to receive that funding, which 34 states, territories, and Great Lakes states do. Likewise, you know, we were just talking about the work under Section 309. In order to receive funding under that section, a state must have an approved assessment and strategy. Um, so, you know, there are eligibility requirements that, that, that come, um, with, with all of the funding. Um, the CZMA, I'm sorry, the Coastal Zone Management Act, uh, directs NOAA to formulate funding amounts based on a state or territory's proportionate share of the length of their shoreline, as well as their population. And the shoreline and population are also weighted in that formula. The length of shoreline is weighted at 60% of the formula, and the coastal county population is weighted at 40. So NOAA establishes um, maximum amounts for funding allocations and minimum amounts for funding allocations, and then runs this formula um, based on shoreline miles and population um, to, uh, look at allocations and we share those draft allocations with the states for their questions and input before finalizing the funding decisions. Um, also as Braxton mentioned, section 306 requires a one-to-one match. So states are matching those funds, um, equally with what they're getting from NOAA. And again, for section 309, there is not match required. Okay, and I'm I'm getting to the edge of even my own knowledge on this. So there's a formula-based approach for a lot of the funds, but then there's also projects of special merit that are a competitive grant funding process, right? How does where does that come in? Absolutely. So um, the Coastal Zone Management Act uh, directs Congress. I'm sorry, directs NOAA um, to spend no more than ten million dollars under Section three hundred nine. 
So what we've done also in working collaboratively with the states um, is to carve out one and a half million dollars annually under Section 309 um, within that $10 million and run a competitive program um, for states and territories to apply for projects of special merit. Um, this allows uh, states who are interested and in, are successful in receiving funds um, to receive additional money under Section 309 that they can use to um, move even further, go even, even deeper in supporting a strategy um, under the strategy that they've developed. So Braxton, if you want, you can share an example, but maybe it would just be easier to, to share the, the type of projects that would be eligible for, um, for a project of special merit, even if you don't have one specifically. What can be used for that? Planning, uh, uh, restoration, what's, what's actually eligible? Well, under the projects of special merit, you, you'd have a special project that would go toward, as, as Joel said, meeting, uh, matching up with your overall five-year strategy. So you might set a five-year strategy in place for something like coastal hazards, um, and, and you've developed a, a plan of action over those five years to carry out a series of projects. But then along the way, over that course of five years, you may recognize a significant need for, whether it's a, a mapping project or some kind of analysis um, that you want to build in and, and partner up with other organizations, you could then submit that project to um, sort of enhance your your um, your strategy under that particular category. Okay, very helpful. So again, it's it's sort of a way to uh, to build upon the work that you're already doing, but to really look at one specific aspect of that. Okay, we are uh, you know we could talk about funding uh, all day. Uh, I know Braxton. I know a huge amount of your time is actually figuring out the funding and figuring out how to make all these programs work. But one thing I did want to touch on briefly was um, was the infrastructure bill uh, that recently passed. We've talked a lot about how this has sort of groundbreaking levels of funding. There's a whole different, a whole variety of different funding. But one thing that was in there was $207 million um, over uh, five years for coastal management grants. So that's about $40 million a year. You know, it's almost a, a 40% or 50% increase um, over what each state gets now. Um, knowing that we haven't finalized the details and, and there's still, uh, it's still unclear exactly how that will be distributed and how the, the process will work. How does like that kind of level of increase to funding, how will that actually change um, or how will that impact how states manage the coast? And I guess that Braxton, that's probably a question for you. Sure. Um, so yeah, that, that level of funding is obviously going to be very important in kickstarting the implementation of resilience projects across the coastal states and territories. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like because of the foundational support that we've had from the Coastal Zone Management Act and NOAA over the years to develop our state coastal programs and the local resilience planning initiatives that you that I described earlier and that are happening in other coastal states and territories, you know, in, in North Carolina, we now have a coastal resilience program that is prepared to direct those funds to well-planned projects that have been prioritized through robust community engagement. So, you know, this will help us to support local community projects, but it also creates the, the opportunity for us to look at a broader scale uh, for projects on our coast, like opportunities for strategic land acquisition and restoration projects that would both restore valuable habitats, but also provide protection for coastal communities and, and therefore advance uh, resilience. 
Thanks, Braxton. Well, this has been a, a good conversation. I mean, I feel like I've learned some, but it also sort of uh, speaks to the um, sort of the different ways in which Coastal Zone Management Act can has and can influence the coast um, and how different funding, you know, how each state really has their own ability to um, use the Coastal Man- Zone Management Act to manage the coast in the way that suits their state best. Um, I guess my, my last question would be, uh, you know, there's a lot in there. We've talked about some, but is there a more obscure or, or maybe lesser known section or aspect of the Coastal Zone Management Act that you find interesting? Um, and, and what does it do? Braxton, you want to take that one too? Sure. Sure. I'll jump in on that. I, I think one of the things that, that's often overlooked um, is actually in the, in the declarations of policy uh, under Section 303 of the Act. And that, that one of the aspects of that is the coordination and simplification of procedures in order to ensure expedited governmental decision making for the management of coastal resources. Um, you know, it, it was long recognized that in the early uh, days of coastal management and the formulation of CZMA and, and state programs that there are a lot of uh, a number of local, state and federal agencies that have different interests and sometimes overlapping jurisdictions that govern activities that are either immediately along the shoreline or in coastal waters. And so for a project applicant, that can be somewhat confusing or daunting to, to try to figure out which agencies they need to go through for what types of approvals. It can also result in, in a potentially inefficient or, or even potentially inconsistent approach across different management agencies. So decades ago in North Carolina, our state worked in partnership with the Corps of Engineers and other state regulatory agencies to develop an umbrella permitting process where an application for a Coastal Area Management Act permit, a major permit from our office, usually suffices as the application for your Corps of Engineers permits, your state water quality certification, and other federal and state approvals. So in our office, our staff circulate your application to up to nine state agencies and four federal agencies for review. And then if there are special conditions or design modifications that would be required by any one of those agencies, we incorporate those. We make sure that uh, all of the agencies are on the same page for the final project approval, uh, rather than having that applicant having to go through the separate channels and processes that could end up with separate results. And and when a project is eligible for that kind of process through our umbrella permit, we really are able to process the entire project within a few months, which can save a significant amount of time, energy, resources, and and I think really creates a better interagency communication framework and and better results. Uh, and I think that's a, a probably a more obscure and overlooked part of what's coming out of the coastal programs and the networks that they've established across state and federal agencies on the regulatory side. So it's a really important one to highlight. Thanks, Braxton. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, we often think of the regulatory agencies as being the, the agencies that slow down projects. But in, in fact, when done efficiently and done effectively, a, a good regulatory agency can bring all the regulators together and ensure that that's happening um, smoothly. And, and you're, we're, ex- as you said specifically, expediting government decision-making. Well, that actually feels like a really nice way to sort of wrap up. We could keep talking about this. There's a lot in there. If you haven't actually read the Coastal Zone Management Act, I'd encourage you to take your work on the coast, take a look at it. It really covers a broad uh, broad array of coastal policies. Um, But uh, thank you guys both so much for for joining me. Um, The last question is always a, a sort of fun personal one. What is your favorite beach or coastal area? Where do you go to get rejuvenated to keep working on on the work that we do. Um, so, uh, Joelle, I'll, I'll, I'll turn to you first. 
Really hard question, Derek. Um, uh, so many incredible beaches um, along our coast and our U.S. territories was lucky, for instance, to visit American Samoa for the first time about three years ago. And um, I just can't say enough about that experience. But to get truly personal, personal, um, my family and I um, go to the North Shore of the Dominican Republic um, almost on an annual basis and have done so for about the last 15, 16 years. So, so many of our family memories have been made there. Um, so we'll, we'll have to stick with the North Shore of the, the Dominican Republic for this one. Lovely. Thank you, Joel. How about you, Braxton? Uh, that would have to be Cape Lookout National Seashore for, for me. That's where we spend a lot of our spare time. My kids have grown up uh, playing on those beaches and it's an absolutely beautiful area, incredible wildlife. It's a, a very special place, luckily very close to home for us. So uh, that, that would have to be my choice. Excellent. Beautiful places to visit and, and uh, thank you guys so much. Really, really thoughtful, really interesting uh, discussion. I, I appreciate learning more about the Coastal Zone Management Act. Thank you so much. Thank you, Derek. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Derek.